two days after starting this role, I go into lockdown and I'm in tourism and having leaving a financial services background. Yes. So it's like, what have I done? It's like, absolutely <laughs> did the right thing. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Hey folks, greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Paul Spain, and my pleasure to be with Joe Hilson today. How are you, Joe? Really good, really good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, look, it's it's a privilege. Great to have you on the show. Now, maybe you can introduce people to yourself and where you fit into this big, wide world of uh, technology here in New Zealand. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, so, Joe Hilson, I'm uh, the Chief Technology Officer at Tourism Holdings. So, for those of you who have no idea uh, who Tourism Holdings is, you might know our brands. So we've got Maui, Brits and Mighty. Uh, so they're the camper vans that you see touring around New Zealand and Australia. And uh, we've also got some great brands in America, Almonte and Road Bear. So um, Tourism Holdings, I've been a part of the team for just over a year now, which is fantastic. Uh, we've also got the Waitomo Caves and we actually build our own camper vans uh, here in New Zealand, which is quite exciting. So quite a wide variety of opportunities within the company and, uh, you know, been doing the role globally for, like I said, just over a year. Two days into the role, actually, a year ago, uh, we went into lockdown. So it was uh, one way of starting a job. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we got there and I'm still here today. So yeah. very exciting. Oh, well, it's, it's great to have you here. And, and look, I think, you know, one of the things that interested me in, in you know, chatting with you, um, you know, is that, yeah, Tourism Holdings is one of those uh, entities that is, has been so important to New Zealand for a yeah, really long time. Um, but also, you know, if you're looking for companies that have been, uh, you know, sucker punched by COVID, then, uh, um, yeah, tourism's kind of right there in the middle. Absolutely. So, um, so, you know, very, very pleased to chat. Well, we'll start off as as usual, sort of, you know, delve through some of the, the tech happenings and the tech news of the week, and we'll look forward to... Uh, you know, hearing your insights on uh, uh, the world of tourism holdings. Sounds and, good to me. Uh, so on. Um, so first up, a little thank you to our show partners, of course, uh, Two Degrees, Vodafone, Spark, HP, uh, Gorilla Technology, Cyclone and Aruba, and it's their support that helps us uh, keep the show going and uh, produced so nicely. So uh, thank you to Joe Allen behind the scenes for uh, keeping us uh, rolling and streaming and getting the audio done. Um, very much appreciated. Now, um, always things going on within tech in New Zealand, isn't there? And and it's uh, you know sometimes um, you, you know you miss out on all sorts of things that are happening. Um, but a, cu- a couple of things that uh, that popped up this week. One is that uh, we now have uh, vertical farming going on in New Zealand. And this is something that's very much sort of, you know, technology enabled in terms of uh, what they're doing. I saw uh, stuff uh, covering this off with um, indoor farming company 26 Seasons. And uh, they've got this indoor farm in, uh, in Foxton and they've been selling strawberries since July, which is kind of not your usual... <laughs> Time of year for uh, for growing no, strawberries. My but kids would like that. Yeah, well, you apply technology, and then you can you know you can do things that might not uh, you know normally be uh, so easy to do to 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 do. And uh, look, I guess we've had you know greenhouses, and there's been a, a level of technology applied 
you know, within agriculture since mm. since sort of year dot, hasn't there really? Oh, um, but it, but it's you know it's just great to see um, you know new things going on within the country and uh, you know technology continue to be uh, continuing to be applied because yeah definitely you know this time of year things like strawberries which uh, some of us quite enjoy and. Uh, yeah, trying to tell my son that no, we're not buying those strawberries at twelve dollars a punnet or whatever they were last time I looked, and they don't look that great anyway. Yeah, they're tiny. Um, so uh, um, yeah, if we can apply some tech to that, it's it's kind of cool. Oh, it's phenomenal. You know, just the AI and the machine learning that's obviously being put to good use, and you know, it's all about that climate, isn't it? And, and controlling and providing those new opportunities. So. Yeah, I had read that as well, and I was just initially I was like, "Oh, what are they going to look like? I mean, are they going to look natural?" And they are, right? That's mm-hmm. the reality. And and obviously they're just replacing it with LED lights. But you know, I'm really interested to see where this goes with more of the crops because, to your point, we want these vegetables. You know, there's that point where we're trying to be more healthy, but we're restrained by what's available to us and what mm-hmm. we can afford. Mm-hmm. So if this helps that and it increases the availability and helps with climate change. I'm, I'm all for it. I think it's great and it's good to see companies doing that and um, it's fascinating what robots are up to these, day, these <laughs> days really, isn't it? Yeah, well, H, I saw, I saw a video uh, in the last few days of, and I think this one was, was in Europe, and it was, I guess you've got a, um, it was a fruit-picking robot and looked like it was picking apples don't know if you've seen this one, but there was a basically they had a lot of these vehicles going going through the orchard, and it used drones. But the drones were tethered, so you didn't have a battery issue, because basically they were keeping just within you know within a few meters of the vehicle, so you had plenty of juice. They could basically run twenty four seven. They would be using um, machine learning, and you know they would know which were the right apples they would pick the right ones and then you know gently sort of drop them from the drone into the you know collecting sort of tray and then they would just go and find another one and uh, tethered to one vehicle I don't know how many drones there were but probably at least four uh, tethered and then across you know the the footage looked like some you know some pretty a pretty big orchard and they had multiple of these and the sorts of issues I guess we're, we're solving are, you know, a lot of fruit just actually just drops to the ground and, and rots, right? And, you know, part of that is there seems to be, you know, less interest today uh, from people in wanting to do those those seasonal jobs rather than something that's consistent year-round while we don't have so oh, many tourists in New Zealand labor. or other places and so on. I mean, there's a whole lot of reasons, right? Mm. So, um, seeing seeing the technologies continually applied, new innovations coming through, it's really cool. And we need, I think, we're going to need more of this sort of stuff in New Zealand. And and there's a lot that we probably don't, don't hear about, but some pieces I've seen, and you think, oh, that hasn't really been that hasn't been covered. So we probably need to cover a bit more of that on the show. Actually, talk to a few of these, uh, you know, inventors and and the companies that are that are at the cutting edge because uh, it's so important to our future. Oh, absolutely. And as you say, times have changed, right? You going cherry picking in in the summer times, or that being your job, it's like well, people want a bit more yeah. more opportunity and more more money that comes with it as well. So if you can yep. move this to AI and machine machine learning, great. Yeah, It'll be interesting to watch now. M- M2X, they 
won the award at the uh, the high tech awards this year, the um, most innovative high tech agritech uh, solution. And I saw a little bit of coverage for them as well on their transportation uh, solution and. The coverage was in Otago Daily Times talking talking about silver fern farms being on track uh, to cut the distance travelled by their transport fleets who are you know moving their product around the country by a million kilometres a year. You know, there's just so many areas where where we can apply a bit of that Kiwi Kiwi ingenuity and some technology and make it, and make a, dif- a real difference. Oh, absolutely! And I actually went on their website and watched the story, and it was um, some examples from the team that uh, we're going to use this new software. And what I really liked wasn't just what the software was doing, but how they went about engaging. You know, with the drivers who were very mm. hesitant, they're kind of like, well, "What are you lot doing here? You know, what can you possibly do for us?" And just seeing that journey that they went on with, you know, the end users, that customer was phenomenal, and you could see that in the passion coming out um, when obviously they got the final result. So, and I think that's something we always forget is the yes, there's the software, and look at this, it's doing such amazing things. But there's a massive journey, and a hard part of that is taking the team on that journey with you in that change management part, you know, mm. for that buy-in. So, mm. kudos to them. Um, it was really amazing story to watch on their website, and you know, the savings and the efficiency that's coming out of it. I know, you know, at Tourism Holdings, we we have our own in-house fleet management system that we're building, and it's all about that. It's all about driving efficiencies and freeing up time for other opportunities. So. Yeah, that one was of real interest to me, but I particularly like the fact that it was about the people and, and the customer and yeah. the right result at the end all around. Yep, yep. Um, now, other other uh, other news, other things uh, going on. Um, I saw coverage that Meta, Facebook, I think is what we usually you know call them, but you know the bigger company is is now called uh, Meta. Uh, are going to be creating a customer service division to assist people who have lost their accounts. Imagine that, actually caring about your your customers, those that turn you into one of the biggest companies on the planet. Um, I've been, I have admit, I have occasionally been vocal in the in the um, mainstream media talking, you know, talking about this on radio and TV and how just shocking it is that, that Facebook can be um, just so, Lacking in uh, look at looking after their, uh, their their clients and story after story of people that have had, and some of these are people that are doing a considerable amount of business with Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. So, it's yes, sometimes it's you know just a friend who's you know clicked on something and you know has got sucked in and has given somehow given somebody access to take over their account. Uh, I went through looking at that for somebody recently, and there was just there was absolutely no assistance that that could help at where this one had got to because somebody else had taken it over. They changed the email address and so on. And when you're at that sort of point, there there was no way back. There was no, you know, pay this fee. There there were just zero useful options. Now the only way I found to help someone in the past is through some, you know, media channels and sort of prod somebody. And even then, Facebook hasn't really had, I mean, if we're talking within the, you know, business context and something goes wrong with some data and database or whatever system, there's a way to roll back to how it was before, right? Well, 
with with Facebook, it doesn't 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 look like that. Um, so yeah, a friend of mine, he had his band, he had his you know his own business, he was advertising them Facebook. He lost control, working with, through the the con the contacts that uh, that I had. He was able to get his account back, and eventually was able to get back sort of partly into those other accounts, but those accounts had been changed. There's, you know, his business had been renamed to something else, was now promoting something else. Um, there there was not a, there was no undo, no rollback to how it was before the hackers. I mean, it's just the biggest belief that uh, these things can be so bad. I, that's what I mean. I'm astounded. <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, what they're only just putting customer services in now and then you know to your point you've got some contacts other people were paying these high-profile high lawyers and hackers to try and get their accounts back I'm like that's pretty extreme to go and get your account back so you know I must admit I, I don't use Facebook a lot I don't need to use it so when I did read that I just thought for a company your size with that many customers and that much information about your customers you've really forced you know found yourself in this position was quite disappointing so hopefully you know the customer services makes a difference again mm. that's just we're putting in customer service what you want to actually see is the results right so it'll be interesting to watch the space but I was absolutely astounded by that and just the the level that the customers were going to to get their, their accounts back. It's really disappointing. Yeah, look, I know some people just say, look, I refuse to deal with Meta or Facebook as a company and I won't have any accounts on their system. But realistically, they're a very, very big player. A lot of us use them for one thing or another. What I want them to do is to get some empathy. And this, mm. is a, this suggests to me that maybe, maybe they're at that point where they realise actually... You've got to treat people right if you're going to succeed in the in the longer term. Yes, they had incredible growth and incredible success, but now their lunch is getting somewhat eaten. So, yeah, sometimes uh, things have to get a little bit hard before they get better. And let's let's hope they, oh, you know, they get better for Facebook. You know, everything comes back to the customer. Like you yeah. can't lose sight of that. You can't yeah. lose sight. So, yeah. Yeah. many will remember when Microsoft became. You know, there was a period there they just got more and more sort of arrogant as a as a business. And, uh, you know, I think they figured out how to go through a change. And I know, you know, some people still have a, have a huge, you know, dislike for anything uh, Microsoft. And, and, you know, I guess that's what you create when, you know, when you allow your business to... Uh, to, to, to lack empathy and to, and to get arrogant. Well, like. and greed takes over, yeah. you know, and that's, yeah. and that's yeah. obviously the challenge as well. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, and hopefully there's some good results. Yeah. I just didn't realise how frequent it was either, you know, but you're right, they're so far-reaching on a grand scale of things. This is actually something big they need to fix. Mm. Mm. Um, now, this next thing I think is... I don't know, it just seems mind-blowingly huge and I didn't see a lot of coverage on, and maybe it's because I don't, you know, consume enough of uh, of more traditional media, but it seemed to be more tech media that were covering it and in some ways fair enough because it's sometimes hard to understand the implications. of. So I'm talking about the announcement where uh, SpaceX and T-Mobile got on a stage and their CEOs said, hey, we're launching this new thing and the new thing is that 
Starlink satellites will also be able to act uh, as somewhat distant cell towers and the the suggestion if we're if we're to believe what um, what SpaceX and T-Mobile are telling us the suggestion is uh, come sometime next year and there will be zero black spots in mobile coverage in the in the US and that this is possible pretty much all around the world. Um, it seemed to me like this is really, really huge. I mean, there, you know, there's a whole lot of aspects to it. Um, you know, you think in New Zealand we look at uh, our mobile carriers here, our telcos, and the billions and billions of dollars if you stack it up between what, you know, Spark, Vodafone, Two Degrees have poured in to providing mobile coverage and to get that last last bit, and I don't know what the percentage is in New Zealand, we talk about, I think, 98.5% uh, coverage of the population, but of course there's a, there's a lot of places in New Zealand which, uh, you know, aren't, aren't covered in those sorts of scenarios, and, uh, and hence why the government's been sort of funding the, the mobile, um, you know, black spot investment to make it sort of safer out on, on remote roads and, and so on. Um, but if we were to, you know, have that equivalent coverage, you know, probably looking at maybe doubling the investment that would have to go in to do it. So if this can be done from Starlink satellites, that's it's got to be quite a game changer. Now it's maybe not quite as as simple as that because it is designed, or the the technology sounds like it will be, it'll be at the lighter end of capability. So you're not going to be getting 4G or 5G speeds from your mobile. Um, <laughs> but but that potential to at least send a text, probably make a phone call, um, you know, move a little bit of data around. Is this a big deal, or am I just am I dreaming here? I, I don't know if you're dreaming. It's just kind of like where did this come from, and how long have they been sitting on this <laughs> yeah. information? Like, oh, by the way, we've always had this capability, and we're just telling you now. Yeah. So yeah, I'm a bit like yeah. you. I'm a bit. Mm, yeah. How realistic is this? And we'll get rid of all mm. the cell towers and yep. Elon Musk is like, I've got 3,000 low orbiting, um, yep. you know, um, what are they called? The low orbiting towers. And it's like, okay, so all of a sudden it's just going to work. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm sitting on the fence. If it's yeah. as simple as that, yeah, great. Test yep. it in America because if it can work there, it'll clearly work anywhere else, hopefully. Mm, mm. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, maybe, maybe I'm a bit more sceptical well, than optimistic. I did a I did a bit of research because I've seen a little bit on this in the past, and um, and there has been some work going on on this for you know for some time, and so you know when you Google satellite LTE network, for instance, there's a few you know a few companies that uh, that come up. Um, one of the companies I read about uh, when this announcement came out um, say they have trialed they have already trialed this the technology. Um, so it, it might not be as yeah as far fetched as it in some ways sort of seems to think. Hold on, you know those those satellites. You know at the moment the the satellites going up are five hundred and fifty, uh, you know kilometers from the Earth. That seems a, a long way for a, a cell signal to travel, <laughs> right? Uh, we're we're kind Any of we're, we're, we're not we're <laughs> not quite used to that. Um, but and you know the, I guess the the yeah the the Part of the breakthrough is that this is supposed to, you know, work with our existing, you know, LTE uh, type phones. 
Um, part of how they've done it in the US is that T-Mobile have Spectrum available. That's going to be a fit. So there will be aspects there of you know what Spectrum is available in, in other countries. And then just the reality. Does it work how they're dreaming it'll work? Well, I mean, you might have asked the same question when we first heard about Starlink and this idea of getting, you know, 100 megabits per second sort of plus speeds from a satellite with low latency and so on. It's like, no, satellites never never worked like that before. And, and they've, you know, they've sort of, you know, somewhat, somewhat delivered. Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's not... Uh, it's not perfection, but it certainly gives another, you know, connectivity option. The other um, aspect there is this is reliant on their their next generation Starlink. So you never quite know with with Musk whether that's uh, you know going to come on time or, uh, <laughs> yeah. or or whether we've got a few Just years to wait. Just another profound statement. <laughs> yeah, um, but I think it's it's you know. It was yeah, it was a big surprise to me. It seems like a like a big deal, and there's a lot of aspects in terms of benefits from having the communication. I know we we kind of like to be able to get away out to the wop wops and 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 be right. off off grid a bit at times, but there's some there's some you know pretty positive upsides from safety perspectives and and and. Cost perspectives, and maybe more building opportunities if they get that out there. Yeah, in those areas. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, (laughs) they do like (laughs) to come out with some big statements, but as you say, there's always some substance to a degree behind it. Yeah. Look, I I I hope there is. I you know I I do. Um, But we will we will uh, we'll have to um, sit and wait on that. Um, now, sort of talking of um, of space things, there was supposed to be NASA's um, Artemis launch that should have should have taken place by now, and uh, yeah, I'm sure many listeners will have been following this. And you know, a, a really really big deal, incredible sums of money that have been poured in, um, you know, by NASA, you know, to to be able to go back to the moon. Uh, Roughly fifty years since uh, since time. you know NASA were were last uh, you know doing moon missions, um, which is 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 quite mind blowing because that's a that's a pretty large chunk of time. Um, but here they are, and they're struggling. What does that say about the success that we've seen from Rocket Lab, uh, from SpaceX, and from others that? NASA are actually finding it really, really hard to do this mm. stuff. Mm. Yeah, they've got more competition now, haven't they? So, you know, they're going to have to up their game or change something. I only saw a snippet of it um, on the news this morning. But, you know, I guess the reality is there is no appetite for any risk, you know, when, when we're talking about flying in, in, into space. And so and there was a lot of comments around the team were tired and fatigued. And so obviously they've made the right call and they'll try again. But... You know, that's disheartening as well, right? So the team will go home and they'll just try and regroup and figure out what's next. And, you know, there's a bit of pressure on them. So I think maybe it's this Friday they might be trying again. And then if there's a date after that, this side of Christmas, who knows? So, mm. yeah, it's it's getting tough. More competition, more, more capability, different ways of doing things. So it'll be interesting to see what they change over, you know, obviously they realise what went wrong this morning, but it'll take a bit more as well just with the team morale and getting them up and, feeling confident and hitting, again, a new milestone. Mm. Um, but 
be so exciting, you know. I just you saw on TV the people there with their cameras waiting. It was just like fifty something years ago. The last time it happened, it's for them. It's uh, super exciting, and and I hope it does go well. You know, any massive milestone like this for any organisation, it's very disheartening. And what a celebration it'll be on Friday if it goes ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a whole lot we could sort of delve into, but I I, I think probably the big thing that stands out for me is just, you know, we should we should not take for granted and assume what Rocket Lab oh. have done is in any way Phenomenal. easy, right? Oh. Um, and and the work that they continue to do. And all of the others that are operating in our aerospace sector in New Zealand because there's there's all sorts of stuff that's that's going on and there's a, these these challenges are um, yeah Oh, generally not trivial. Complexity, <laughs> just beyond anything I could fathom. You know, yeah, I just look yeah. at what I'm delivering versus what you're trying to do from space. And to that point, you, nothing can go wrong. Nothing can go wrong. So, you know, good luck to the team. And, and to your point, wow, wow, truly, truly admire um, our other companies that are doing it. Yeah. Um, and those who are interested in the broader aerospace sector, um, just another reminder, I know we mentioned it last week, uh, but next week is the NZ Aerospace Summit uh, in Christchurch, so you might still have a chance to uh, uh, to get a ticket if you haven't already. Whatever level of interest you uh, you have in that, well worth thinking about. Mm-hmm. So um, they've got a, a pretty stellar lineup, um, sort of mix of speakers and panelists and so on that I think some will be in person there will be some that are um, beaming themselves there remotely but uh, yeah look looks like a really uh, really impressive lineup so worth well worth thinking about it's amazing how space has just become such a so reachable that we can talk about it and be part of it yeah, you know 20 yeah. years ago it's like oh that's just for astronauts now yeah, what yep. what a difference it's yeah. exciting really exciting um now a couple of gadgets I wanted to mention, um, had a look at recently, Amazon Echo Show uh, 15. Now, we've got used to the the Amazon Echo, and we've been speaking about it on the New Zealand Tech Podcast since I think I got hold of a, you know, early, wasn't quite pre-release, but it wasn't broadly publicly available, you know, in the early days. And, and you know, the Echo with Alexa being this voice assistant, well, you know, it seems to keep evolving, uh, and when I saw the Echo Show 15, there was a little bit of scratching my head and thinking, why do we need a 15-inch plug-in tablet? Well, yeah, when I first heard about it. Now, I think it's it's going to be still probably a niche product mm. at this point in time, um, but it looks really good. So the, think of the, the Samsung Frame TVs that you pay a real premium for. Well, this is down a similar track, so it's a picture frame. You can have it sort of displaying pictures and you can have it doing lots of things. I think the primary role for most will be probably where they would use a, uh, you know, where people would be using um, Alexa anyway, where they would be using an Amazon Echo device. This is something potentially can fit on the wall in the kitchen environment was where it sort of, to me, would make some some sense. Uh, I have. We were chatting actually before the show, weren't we, Joe, about uh, friends that have that have got the uh, Samsung smart fridges with the display on them and so on. Well, in a way, this gives you much of what that does. And I know the smart fridge has you know has some extra things because it can 
show you what's inside the fridge. And in theory, remotely, you can uh, you know be in the, running around the supermarket and have a look in your fridge and go, "Have I got some of some of that?" Although those features don't seem to get well used, and affects you know even some of the other capabilities. And and in some ways, it reminds me of discussions we've had around. And in the early days, it was, do you buy a smart TV or do you have a TV and add whatever smart technology with it, which you can refresh as you need to? And to me, this is sort of, it gives you, in many ways, I'd say a superset of what, or almost, yeah, I don't know, yes and no. Um, in some ways, in some ways, it's more capability than you'd get in a smart fridge. doesn't have that camera bit. Um, but otherwise, you've got a really flexible and responsive um, device. Uh, basically, you have to. You can either put it on a on a little stand, which is how I've been testing it out, or you can, you know, mount it on the wall. That sort of picture uh, type look, um, and then you can not just do the usual sorts of things, and you can see your shopping list on there visually, which is is quite nice. Uh, and our fridge has actually still got a whiteboard where things get written on a shopping list, and then we've got Alexa, <laughs> and you know so on. So you end up with these sort of multiple systems. So actually bringing that together, so you can, you know, you visually see it, but you can do Netflix and and whatnot on there as well. So it's, um, I don't know. I think it's I think it's pretty cool, but I'm not sure how many people will will be signing up in terms of the, you know, yeah, it's uh, just broader more and populace. More gadgets, right? Yeah, it's yeah. just like your house has been overpopulated and, you know, I'm thinking about sustainability and where we want to go in the world and yeah. carbon, reducing carbon. Yeah, it's just yeah. like, well, do we need this? And in my mind, I'm sitting here thinking, I can see my children adding more and more and more items to the grocery list and it'd be me just like submitting the grocery list off, didn't check it and, you know, <laughs> What's coming home that night? Yep. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think, you know, like anything, we've got to find that balance for home. How many gadgets do we need? How many, to your point, with the fridge? Mm. What features are unnecessary? And yep. not everyone yep. in the house is savvy, right? So, yep. Yep. yeah, it, it's yeah, trial it, and it comes down to personal preference, doesn't it? Yeah. A um, couple of other things. You can mount it vertically or horizontally, um, and it's got a physical sort of switch across the camera because you can do, um, you know, video calling through it as well. Um, not does, I don't think it's got a Zoom option or a Teams option, which is, is probably quite good. <laughs> it's a good thing. Um, but uh, it, which actually introduces a whole other point, which maybe we'll discuss another day, but we're getting a whole range of devices. You know, the Facebook have got their devices uh, or Meta um, you know, these quite low cost devices where you can do all sorts of all sorts of things. And I, I tried out um, you know, one of the one of the Facebook ones and I'm trying to remember what it's called, it might come back to me. Um, one of their gadgets and it was I don't know, a few hundred dollars and you had the option of being able to do teams on there and being able to do Zoom. Um, which is you know quite a, a big gap between that and uh, and what goes into your your boardrooms. You can yes. spend a lot of money on that kit. Uh, Facebook Portal um, is um, yeah, I, and I guess it w- it would be a com- also a competing uh, device to to some of these Echo shows because you have got a screen uh, and there are a few variations with um, you know ones that have got uh, built in battery and so on, so you can move them around, but they are effectively a, a sort of a chunky, not quite a tablet, but but sort of a tablet on a stand and so on. Well, um, and to, you know, we've got their hybrid working from home, working for the office or 
mostly working at home in some <laughs> cases. So, you know, it's almost like you're buying these knickknacks, as, as I say, to yeah. set up your office at home. Yeah. And, yeah. and I guess this is where we're seeing more and more opportunities come out and more of these products. So, um, yeah, it's going to be intense, I think, because sometimes you can kind of go, I need this, I need this, I need this. And then mm. at the end of the day, it's like, actually, let's reassess and yeah. get back to basics. Yeah. But yeah. We, all like, we all like the new bright and shiny, don't we? Yeah, yeah. And look, the other um, the other device you and I were chatting about before we started um, that I've been, I'm trying out over the last few months is Oppo's um, Find X Pro, which is kind of, you know, top of the line um, Android smartphone, you know, very nice bit of tech. Um, I find it interesting trying, trying out these new gadgets because they've all got, you know, a few strengths and a few things you know, oh, I'm not so sure about. Um one of the concerns that I had with um, Oppo in the past and some of the Android makers was it, it can be quite hard to actually get updates through. And so uh, particularly in a, in a business context where you're thinking about cybersecurity, uh, you're, you're thinking about, well, what's the actual lifespan we're going to get out of these products and so on. Um, but they seem to be seem to be moving along, uh, you know, moving along on that front quite nicely. We're seeing... Yeah, consistent updates come out. So this one, here we are at the end of August, and I've already had, um, well, already, I guess it would be quicker if it was an Apple device because they roll them out to all the devices at all the same time. Um, you know, but it, it has, uh, you know, has had a has had a, an update for, um, for August already, uh, and, um, you know, we just keep seeing those updates roll through. And they've got Android 13 on the way. Um, they have their their kind of customization, I guess, on Android called Color OS. Um, but you know they've already announced their their next iteration, I guess, to go with the new Android. Um, and yeah, I find it's um, you know it's overall a pretty it's a good pretty, looking phone. pretty good experience. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's good to um, you know good to see that all the competition didn't just uh, uh, disappear when Huawei kind of, uh, you know, were effectively banned from the market, weren't they? It's uh, Someone's you know. always waiting in the corner though, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, Oppo were growing, but I think, you know, they've they've done incredibly well now in the New Zealand market. Right now, we need to, we need to talk about tourism holdings. Hey. I'm very keen to uh, keen to hear what you've you know what you've been up to, and yeah. you know how are how are things going? Because the, the borders are now you know sort of somewhat yes. uh, somewhat open, but um, you know the the whole business was I mean from the outside I mean like ha- how is the business even still operating? But you've had you know you've had to maintain a team and and be ready to get going. See, providing um, you know services for those that are in country here in New Zealand and other markets that you work in. So yeah. walk us through a little, a little oh, bit of that journey. It's been a ride. It's been a ride, <laughs> that's for sure. But the good news is we're on the other side of it. Um, to your point, the borders are opening. And, you know, the fact that we are a global uh, company has really been what's made it a success, um, you know, with the borders opening in America a lot earlier and then in Australia. So 
that really helped. Um, but what we did, you know, from our point of view, is we had to reassess, well, how are we going to bring our revenue in if we don't have the tourists here who aren't renting these camper vans? And, um, you know, initially it was quite easy because everyone was stuck in their country, so they bought the camper vans. It's like, yeah. well, we'll just go touring locally. Yeah. Uh, great, great news. And so uh, that was where a lot of the income came in. And what we did from a technical point of view is it gave us this new opportunity to reassess our backlogs. Like, right, what is everything that we've got? What's going to be relevant when these borders reopen again? Uh, and so there was a lot more time spent analysing that and understanding the sort of capability that we'll need when we get to the position that we are today. So um, in the last six months, especially with the borders across uh, America, New Zealand and Australia opening, we're seeing the tourists are coming back. Um, not so much at the level we want them to, especially in New Zealand. It's, it is a slow burn. And, you know, the tourists that you want in New Zealand and not just for tourism holdings is long stay with money. Right, it's the, you think about all these companies that are just waiting for these tourists. They want them to spend. We want them to be here for a long time. So you know we've got to really attract that sort of tourist. And you know we'll be working with Tourism New Zealand and obviously the other relevant partners across the globe just to you know keep encouraging that and making it attractive as well. Let's not talk about COVID all the time and let's yeah. not have that fear factor <laughs> that we're going back into another lockdown in New Zealand and just making sure, you know, we're educating them and making travel a little bit easier. And, you know, that's still happening slowly. Um, I'm booking holidays and flights are changing. So, you know, it's it's a few people would be feeling the same experience. So, you know, we're getting there. Um, for us, uh, we've just released our financial results for last year and, you know, we, we had another loss, but we're actually feeling very optimistic. We had alternate revenue as well with the camper vans that we did have. So, you know, renting them out for other goodwill areas around, you know, around the uh, vaccinations. So you would have seen some of our camper vans for vaccinations yes. in Australia. We've obviously done the same thing as well. So... Uh, we are looking forward to this financial year. We're looking forward to more tourists. Uh, as I mentioned, as part of that review, technically we've taken our in-house fleet management system. So there's a huge amount that goes on in the process for I want to hire a camper van, you know, not only from booking it to scheduling it to returning it. It's, it's massive. So we launched that uh, in New Zealand and Australia almost a year ago. and We're about to launch it into the US at the end of this calendar year, which is very exciting. And then we'll take it into the UK early next year. So it's been a massive opportunity and it means that we are globally using that single platform, which hopefully I'll come back and talk to you more about right, as well. So, so this, is, this is something that gives you an edge because you've You've had that, uh, you know, investment into it and you've been able to create something that's, you know, really a unique sort of, you know, fit to, to your needs. Yeah, 100%. And using different systems across the globe. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm really looking forward to the big launch that we'll have at the end of this this year and then the further one next year. It brings us together. We've got a better understanding. We've got greater insights around, um, obviously, our fleet and those efficiencies that we were talking about mm -hmm. earlier and, and those new opportunities as well. So there's a lot going on, um, you know, in the tourists with the other parts of our company we've got the wide time caves um, you know we want to get more foot traffic traffic through there this is a beautiful place it's a great opportunity you know anyone that comes into New Zealand should experience it, it is, it's a wow factor um, and then you know we've got the side where we're actually manufacturing our camper vans and so 
obviously we have supply chain issues like the rest of the world, which is obviously a headache and that's something that we're working through. But, you know, we're aware of what it is that we need to work through. We have these mitigations in place and we have all these alternatives as well. So really looking forward to what it will look like in a year's time. Um, we've had plenty of time to plan. We've done a great amount of work with the alternatives in the meantime. And, you know, I've got a new team. One of the things that hit me personally the hardest um, from a technology point of view was was the great resignation, they called it. And in a 12-month period, I lost 60% of my technical capability. And that was purely to more money. The money that was being offered out there was was quite substantially higher than obviously we could afford in the tourism industry. So I had to rebuild my um, teams up again. And, and that took a long time, obviously, with the borders closed at the time. The pool of capability is very, very small, so I had to rethink what it is that we needed, and that was during that process of understanding what it is we wanted to prioritise. Um, but the great news is, you know, I've now got a new structure. I've got capability that's coming from graduates from university, juniors that have just had a little bit of experience, the intermediates and the seniors. So there's a real um, balance, finally, of that capability in those different roles as well. Um, it's not all filled you know there's about three or four roles which is good compared to where we were that we're still focusing on and you know we are accredited so we're using that new process that just came in um in the middle of this uh, yeah the middle of this year as well so taking advantage yeah yeah so with those tech skills so we've got some great candidates offshore that we're just waiting to go through the process with and um you know that's going through a few Lips and blobs and yeah, yeah, some. there can be there, there can be uh, <laughs> challenges when these things yes. are first launched. Right? You know, here's a policy yeah. and here's yeah. a process. I'm like, well, there's a few steps missing you didn't tell us about. So, <laughs> like everything, yeah. yeah. Uh, but listen, it's uh, something that we we're working with their relevant teams on, and I'm I'm excited. And you mm. know, one of the key things that came out in our in our report, our financial reports from our CEO, was just how proud he was about the resilience of our teams, and and I am too. You know, I'm, I, two days after starting this role, I go into lockdown and I'm in tourism and having leaving a financial services background. Yes. It's like, what have I done? It's like, <laughs> absolutely did the right thing. You know, this is great. I'm, I, I can't wait for the world in, in general just to be back to hopefully, you know, that energizer, lots of traveling, lots of money being spent um, environment again. So, Lots to do. Uh, you know, what are we coming into the second month of the financial year? Well, yeah. end of the second month, um, yeah. never a dull moment. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, c- comparing that your your tech team and how many people have you got working? You know, in the the technology aspects of tourism holdings so we have around 60 mm. so and that includes uh, internal and external teams so we have offshore teams so mm. we've mm. we've leaned on offshore teams um we were already doing that uh, so thankfully you know because we were able to retain them and, and they've been mm. phenomenal and mm. and uh, you know they're just an extension of our internal teams here they're just part of the crew um, and they do a fantastic job so 
We have uh, the majority of our teams based in Auckland, New Zealand. Um, as I mentioned, we've got the offshore teams in Lebanon. We've got some IT support in the US and also in Australia. But over the last six months, you know, when we were recruiting, we were opening up, you know, where do you, where do you live? Where do you want to live? Um, mm. So we do have a few that are scattered out through New Zealand. Um, and that's, that's fine. That works. We, you know, as you mentioned, Teams and Zoom, that makes things anything possible, no matter where you are, no matter what time of the day yeah. Uh, so yeah but it's great um, the thing for me now is building that culture back you know the, yep. with a, quite a new team and, mm. and spread out in different parts of the globe we need to make sure that remains a focus and and balance that with how many days do I have to be in the office do I have to be in any or you know and you know watch the space around that I've yeah I think that's a, that's a journey of a lot of organizations and it you know, it's interesting that yeah that you saw you know so many of your people on the tech side, sort of drawn into into other roles, everyone was uh, was struggling to find people, and so yeah, there there was just all manner of challenges, and uh, people got pulled and and enticed in in all sorts of directions. But how did that compare with the rest of your workforce? Because you have people that are out there, you know, working on the ground, not necessarily anything to do with with being based in an office. Yeah. Uh, they're out there facing the public. How's that side, you know, worked out? Because it probably wasn't so much for, for, you know, many of them to do at times. No, that's right. And so, you know, there was obviously a phase of having to let people go. Mm. Um, and But for the people that remained, they stayed. Retention was very high. So almost the opposite of what I experienced from the digital side. So a lot of retention, a lot of resilience um, that I saw through that. And, you know, I obviously got the resilience of my team that, that have, you know, stuck through as well from a digital side. So, you know, we're very proud of that fact. Um, and now we're in a position where we're going from redundancies to recruitment. We're going from loss to profit. Mm. And so it's a great feeling and, and it's something that... Those of those of the team and the crew, whether in the, in technology or or in the front line, that have been through it, can be proud of, mm. um, and feel optimistic that it was worth it. You know, that's the gamble mm. they took, mm. and it's the right gamble. And like I said, in this time in a year's time, hopefully it's even a better you know result than mm. what we're anticipating. Mm. Now, I mean, our tourism sector is is you know, there's a lot of variety. There's you know, all sorts of businesses from individual folks who just love the country and they're great tour guides and they that I don't know how exactly how some of those you know folks get get business but you know having chat, chatted to, to one or two people that do some in some cases some very high-end type personal uh, tour guide type stuff through to obviously the big business like tourism holdings how do you feel we're sort of going on the on the technological front in terms of tech enablement is there still a lot more that we need to be doing are we are we kind of ahead behind the rest of the world what what do you see yeah good question I think there's probably a lot more I think uh you know we kind of had put in a holding pattern for a while with with COVID and a lot of companies 
closing from that tourism side, especially in New Zealand. And so, which is really sad. And, and you know, a lot of those small business owners who put their heart and soul into growing that, and they had op- they had dreams that one day that they would maybe using technology to grow their business and mm-hmm. that, that opportunity's gone. Um, I think it'll come back. You know, innovation for me is high on the agenda. I put it in as a mandatory thing as part of a, a plan for the year. And I see that, you know, it's never ending the opportunities and you're hearing what goes on in tourism around the world. So quick answer is, yes, I think we've still got a lot to do. I think the more is the the focus is just building businesses up to have the money to enable that to happen, right? You know, let's build ourselves back into a state of having a profit so we can then use that to enable technology to grow us even more. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Because I mean, at your sort of scale, there's a level that you can invest that other smaller organisations can't. Um, but sometimes it's the smaller organisations that maybe you know maybe need it, you know, more to be able to you know actually you know even to to exist and to keep going. Right? That's right, and they're paying top dollar for capability at the moment. So mm-hmm. that's the other thing that you've got to balance is like the rates have just gone up so so high it's like well actually what can what can we afford mm. and so there will be a lot of that thinking that will be going on and you know it doesn't happen overnight technology either even the example we were talking about earlier today around the high tech awards and and, and was it mx2 yeah m2x m2x yeah. Yeah. sorry yeah. 8 years you know so depending on what it is that you want to produce it, it can not necessarily happen overnight so a lot of planning you know a lot of balancing bring the tourists back let's just get ourselves into a profit before we focus on that mm. and I and I guess you know one of the things that we all have to do is you know in our in our environments is create that environment yes. where folks want to be where talent wants to wants to come and and spend their day building and and doing things that uh, that that mean something that make a difference and, and knowing about you know, them, yeah. You know, there's just yeah. so many companies you don't even know about until you see these awards, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, that's happening in New Zealand, or wow, yeah. that happens in Australia. That's not so far away. It's it's amazing, uh, you know, how much is happening and evolving without even knowing about it. And mm-hmm. it takes a lot to be reading, you know, all the updates and having access to the relevant articles to know who's doing what. And and if you're not doing that, you're you're going to be none the wiser. So. Being able to network now as well is obviously going to help with that. Seeing more of those summits that are happening as well will enable the us to... Podcast yeah, the too, odd podcast Yeah, the odd podcast. Exactly. So now that this is kicking off again, that will definitely help. And I, I think there's huge opportunities for tourism. For, for me, tourism is just about making more efficiencies, making it the customer experience just so crisp and clean. It's like, oh, I'm coming back or I'm taking this for a lot longer, this experience. Mm, yeah. You know, that's really what it's about for tourism that's great well i can think of a hundred more things i'd like to ask you um, but we're out of time for this this week so we'll uh, we'll have to do another one again um but thank you very much joe hilson it's no, been, great to uh, be here. been good to have you on the show and uh look thank you also to our show partners uh to two degrees vodafone spark hp gorilla technology cyclone and aruba uh, for their support of the show Now, if you've been watching this on our live stream, then do make sure you fire up your smartphone, whatever you are uh, using there, and uh, look for a podcast app to subscribe on. If you listen to the audio, which is the the large majority of our audience, you can follow me on LinkedIn to get access to the uh, the live streams. You get them ahead of 
most other folks. And we're also across Twitter, uh, Facebook, and, and YouTube. I've noticed we're sort of slowly ticking along with a few more people um, following on, uh, on YouTube. Um, there is a little bit of a trick, though. If you want to catch us live on YouTube, I think you have to go and hit the bell Otherwise, you know, you'll, you'll find out about it later. Um, whereas LinkedIn is very good at giving you a bit of a nudge if you've got LinkedIn open, isn't it? And letting you know there's a, there's a stream. So, um, yeah, but that's us for this week. Um, thanks, Joe. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. Thank you. All right. Cheers. The New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.